Welcome to Voice Fiction. Meet authors of e-books, audiobooks, and audio drama. Be enlightened by post-production specialists, directors, voice actors, and learn more about the wonderful world of online audio. And now your host, John Tatterzak. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining Voice Fiction. Our co-hosts at the roundtable are Bobby Owens, Colin Thornton, John Toff, Glenn Higby. Our topic at this meeting is mixing. And we have with us today special guests. One, Chuck O'Hara, who's president and chief mixologist for Real Time in Halifax, Canada. Chuck has decades of audio production experience in film, television, radio, advertising, and music. We also have Roy Yokerson with a passion for old-time radio. Emmy Award-winning audio director Roy, a.k.a. Uncle Roy, has been serving the voiceover and music industry for over 30 years. If your project has anything to do with audio, Uncle Roy is your man. Are we doing a commercial here? <laughs> unless you're unless you're Chuck, right? Who's the other guy who's audio? Guy? Okay. <laughs> I just now read that. It came to me last, you know, second. Okay. Uh, and our last guest and a dear friend of mine is Jim Smagata. Jim is entering his twentieth year as technical director. Arendelle Studio Theatre at the University of Toronto. His first radio drama was assembled in Grand Prairie, Alberta, using two cassette decks, two reel-to-reel tape decks, a turntable, razor, and scotch tape, and he is truly a pioneer. I'd like to welcome you all to the roundtable of voice fiction. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, guys. Oh, yeah. You guys have been like in this industry for like forever. I haven't. I've had the pleasure of working with Roy and Jim. Unfortunately, I haven't had yet the pleasure of working with Chuck. How are you, Chuck? I am great. You are mixed masters, as they would say, or if that's uh, it's if it's not rap. But you probably guys have also done rap. Um, Roy, starting with you, and it's going to be hard because you've yeah. got a wealth of everything. But we've got to keep this short. We don't have that much time. But what do you? <laughs> the Uncle Roy show. What? Uh, tell me how you got started. Tell me, like, uh, if you give me the Reader's Digest version, actually all three of you, um, the Reader's Digest version, starting with you, Roy, of, like, why audio? Uh, Perry Como's Papa Loves Mambo. That's the Great answer. Song. That's the answer. I played That's that, the answer. I played that, that record over and over and over, and it drove my parents crazy. My father, put in, <laughs> my father put in a headphone jack, so I was two years old with headphones. And then he gave me a tape recorder when I was five, and I was the kid on the block with the puppet stage in the basement, and we recorded the dialogue. We didn't know that was the right way, but we did it. And audio's just been my passion my whole life. I had a band, and I always, college radio and everything else, and uh, then got a job at National Recording Studios in 1976 as a messenger. Uh, Yeah, and uh, came up the ranks, became the... uh, the top guy, um, senior post-production audio and music engineer, did a lot of uh, film scores, as you know, all the Woody Allen films from 
uh, from 1981 or 82 through 2005. Um, so pretty extensive. A lot of advertising, a lot of jingles, My Little Pony. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know <laughs> that. That's cool. That's, yeah. Comb and brush his hair. So um, anything to do with audio, that's live events, anything, you know. You mixed My Little Pony? I recorded and mixed My Little Pony. I'll email it to you. Incredible. We'll play it on the show later. That would be great. Can we do that? Because if we can get like a copy of that, we can stick that into the show. Oh, stick it in there, yeah. Uh, I was the engineer uh, for a lot of uh, toy spots, including My Little Pony. And uh, I have the original jingle of My Little Pony, and here it is. My Little Pony, version 3, Dad gave me my first tape recorder when I was 10. I proceeded then to record Niagara Falls. Of course, you know what that was. The kitchen sink. <laughs> and it went on from there. In 1970, I entered into the professional realm of audio, working at a radio station, recording commercials on a tube McCurdy radio console with two, get this, full track mono Ampex tape recorders. <laughs> that is ancient history. Yep. Uh, I have so I went my- through the whole gamut in the 70s and 80s of uh, 2-inch 16 track with various analog consoles. In 1989, my compatriots, my similar guys in other studios were thinking I had gone off my rocker because they didn't think Digital was going to survive. So you were the first it, digital studio there. What? What? First what digital studio in where? In Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Gotcha. Incredible. Yeah, I was the first. Uh, I think the fourth owner in Canada of the Audiophile, which was a hard disk based digital editing system. Uh, moved on from there to an AMS Neve Logic Three console with an Audiophile SC digital editor. I've taught in a private college uh, audio mixing for film, things like that. I've done, I'm going to say, at least 500 radio commercials in my career. Oh my goodness, nice. And also uh, have been the, the voice of a considerable amount of those having worked both sides of the, of the glass. Did you ever work with Jim, uh, since you guys are both in Canada? No. Oh, yeah, we're right next door to each other. Yeah, we're right next door. <laughs> well, you know I'm from this state, so everything is all close together. There's New York, and there's California, and there's nothing else, yeah. so you know how I that can, goes. I can just <laughs> get over there any day. There's only two coasts in, in the U.S., right? There's only two coasts. We don't know. Jim, t- tell, tell us a bit about you. Well, geez, I feel like a little minnow amongst all these uh, big Stop. whales. Um, I was going to be a marine biologist, speaking of whales and minnows. 
nice. when I was in university, and uh, I got stuck into theater. So theater's been my background all of this time, and included in theater is lighting and sound, and I got more interested in sound as we uh, go along and as the technology advanced. I went from reel-to-reels and cassettes to actually uh, uh, my first digital experience was here at the University of Toronto back in 1994 when I first got the first uh, editing system, software audio workshop, and a brand new 486 computer. And we've been going ever since. I teach audio um, mix, not really mixing, but how audio works in theater as far as sound effects and music, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, this this radio gig just came upon me as a spur-of-the-moment thing. But I'm happy to do it. I directed some shows, so I know a little bit about pacing and dialogue and how to get the action going. So that's basically where I'm coming from. Hang on, guys. we got to go to a break. So hang on. We'll be right back after this message. Hello. I'm Steve Anderson, your host for Strange Stories, an anthology series of odd and unusual tales. You can listen at MisfitsAudio.com. Don't worry. It's only as real as your mind makes it. Hey, it's Colin speaking. I have a a question I'm going to toss out, but I'm going to start with Roy. What can sound give a listener that video can't? That's a tough question. Um, That's why I started with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, when I was a kid, we listened to, I'm not that old, but but they were still playing uh, the Lone Ranger and the Shadow and things like that, and I I just loved that ambiance that that, that became created in uh, like old time radio, and it just you know the the phrase is theater of the mind. You can close your eyes and you can see if the storytelling is done well, if the script is done well, and the sound effects, sound design is done well. Uh, you don't need the visuals when you go to these old time radio conventions and you see the actors up there. You know, I mean, it's a great novelty to see them, but. They take you to a place, including the sound effects people, they take you to a place that you just close your eyes and you're there. You know, so the, the sound just it brings you there. It's just, just like radio was the medium. There was no TV. You, you can go to the movie theater and be entertained that way, but um, it was radio. It was like radio, just like the film radio days, you know. Uh, J- uh, Chuck or, or Jim, do you want to... Well, I, 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 this is Chuck. I really like the concept of theater of the mind. With sound design, I can take you, the listener, to anywhere in the world. And I can do it at a minimal cost in comparison to what a video or film guy would have to do to achieve the same thing. And that's why I find sound design so interesting from that perspective that you can create an, a place environment. an environment that no one else can so quickly just by running the faucet <laughs> just, <laughs> you can create wow. Niagara Falls <laughs> you have to slow it down a little bit I'm, I'm, I'm with Chuck on that because um uh, when you're looking at a movie or a video or a TV, the director is pointing you in the right direction so that you see what you need to see. 
with, with audio, you create the environment and you may be a, um, a participant in uh, the third person looking back at everything, but you could still imagine what the city's like or what the jungle's like or how big the waterfall is. <laughs> and um, it, it does carry you through. It creates a, a bigger picture in your mind than watching the, the video part of it. And, and the even, sound design will take you there, yes. Of course, even with video, uh, you know, or a film shoot or anything, there's always a layer of sound design to really bring you there. If they record dialogue on set, that's no good, and they have to replace it. Uh, you've got to recreate the scene with the sound design, or you've got Absolutely. to enhance it. If you just listen to the dialogue track of a film from the shoot, you'll be bored to death. There's nothing going on there. You know, they're just trying to get good, crisp dialogue recording. And then if you see uh, if you see a stream, if you see the ocean, that has to be put in there because, um, you know, and, 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 and seamlessly. If nobody comments about the sound design, you've done your job right. Exactly. And most of the um, backgrounds now could be CGI, so you'd have to create the environment that right. the CGI artists do, do for you. Cool. How do you treat a new actor when you, they come into the studio? How do you treat them? When you say a new actor, this is Uncle Roy speaking. Uh, when you say a new actor, they haven't done any of these kind Correct. of things. They have no history yeah, some, in some it. Guy that, some guy that just got the job and he's walking in the studio. How do you treat them? And they may or may not have the actual talent for this. So you really, the first thing is to always, in any in anything, could be music, could be uh, dialogue, always make them the most comfortable they're going to be and then they're going to perform well they won't be nervous make you know get them to not be nervous um, give them some direct you know give them help with direction it depends on if there's a director or is it just the engineer and the talent and a lot of times the engineer becomes the director and co-producer just make them comfortable and you know get them through this first experience do you agree, Chuck and Jim? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wish I had a studio, but yes, this, this is, is Jim. This is Jim, Chuck. I can tell you that Jim you, Jim did that for me. I mean, we work remotely, and I, I've actually never seen him, or actually this is the first time I've heard his voice, but he did that for me. He calls me in to do some audio dramas and so on and so forth, and I'm always thinking, I can't do this. He's like, I'm not going to believe me doing this. What, what are you talking about? But he makes <laughs> me feel extremely comfortable. He's like, give it a shot. And the yes. fact that you just say, give it a shot, just give it a shot. And I have no pressure that I've been able to do a bunch of these things because of that. And he's, he, I mean, you must do this all the time, especially in theater, right? Absolutely. You're going to be featured as a way, uh, this is Jim, by the way, um, you're going to be featured as a, a 60-year-old feisty granny in the next Lone <laughs> Ranger. So picture that. <laughs> you have to realize that the microphone doesn't know your age. So you can be the feisty older guy or gal, or you can be a young person, depending on where you position your actual speech pattern. So you, you run the gamut as an actor when you're working on the mic that you can audition for a, a heck of a lot more than you could if you were doing it visually. And now we have a short clip. Every Saturday, Mr. Jones cuts the lawn. But today, a tiny stone shoots from his lawnmower, bounces off his neighbor's brick wall, and rips into his vinyl siding. Mr. Jones will now bounce all over town. 
trying to replace his damaged vinyl while the neighbor who built with brick, hassle-free Shaw brick, sleeps in his hammock. Shaw for beauty forever. Uh, guys, this is John. Um, I had a question. Jim, you know, I have a similar background as some of you folks where I've been doing audio, mostly music, since back in the 80s where everything was pretty much non-digital. Um, I've, I fully embrace the digital realm because of all the advantages and, and the economic, you know, economics of it. It's just a lot cheaper, but it has some other challenges. One of the things that I was thinking of is um, you, you no longer have to have your talent there with you at the, at the actual studio. You can do all this remotely across the country. So that leads up a whole, a whole other set of problems because everybody has different equipment, there's uh, different, there's different backgrounds they have. How do you guys uh, still get the same type of quality source material when you have a situation like that? Different equipment, different uh, rules, different acoustics, things like that. Uh, that's a very good question. When somebody in Australia sends you an audio file and you stick it together with uh, a person that has recorded it anywhere else. The room, as you say, the room is different. The the way the microphone is placed, um, et cetera, et cetera. And all you can do is try to even out the volumes and then do some equalization and compression and everything else that you can color it with to make them sound the same as much as you can and as crisp and clear as you can. And that's my, my thought anyway, but that's the way it happens to be. And luckily, I haven't had too many people that have had really bad microphones Basically, it's uh, I'm talking on a dollar store microphone right now. I wouldn't want to use that for recording an audio drama. I would probably want to get something that's a little more professional. This is Uncle Roy. Um, it's a little tricky because everybody can spend a hundred dollars and get a USB mic and shove it in there, and you know at least have right. uh, some be- you know better better quality, uh, not ideal. But the level, the volume of the recording, the room acoustics aren't necessarily ideal. So we're going to do as best we can. I do have one kind of crappy piece of audio that came in. It just doesn't sound as good as the rest. You know, I can crisp up. I can, you know, get get all the tubbiness out of uh, and, and match EQ on the rest of the stuff. And, and maybe having some music and some sound design underneath uh, will mask some of the... Um, some of the inconsistencies, but when you have bad, you know, when it's recorded badly or in an echoey room or something, um, you got to tell the talent, listen, so next time, you know, we have to find a different environment for you or, you know, we did when, when auditions were held for this, I don't think anybody's room acoustics was taken into uh, account. You know. Correct. Yeah. Yes, this is Jim, and um, I have had to ask actors to redo their lines entirely, coach them to get closer to the microphone, how to check for popping of the peas, make a, a nylon sock for um, a windscreen to get, get rid of that kind of thing. So, And they've been happy to uh, do that for us. So it increases their um, uh, marketability by getting a better sound. So oh, they're pretty, um, pretty uh, happy to get the help this is chuck and it's not unlike when you're working with audio from a a, a a video shoot depending on where the shotgun was placed or whether they're using um, close miking you're going to get different ambiences and you're going to have to somehow get your people on 
these shoots to do the same thing, to try and get the best quality that they can get to you. I often uh, have set guys and ask them when, when we're on a series not to roll the bottom out of the, the sound so that the rushes sound great, but I don't have any bottom end in a male voice, for instance, because they're running uh, the cutoff too high. And that's another thing when you're dealing with talent from various studios that the quality is suspect in some of them. And no matter what they do, because they won't invest in the proper gear, then what can you do? You have to encourage your talent. If they're going to do this and they're going to be held up as being pristine, that they have to make some investment in what they're using for audio recording gear in their location. Does this, this happen a lot? Okay. That happens a lot where you have to they roll off the bottom end and you can't hear, you don't even know it's a man or is that what you're well, saying? Well, no, they don't take it that high, but they don't leave you with all of the warmth that's in the voice in, say, at 100 hertz. If they pick up, a, do a roll off at 150, you're going to lose a lot of the, the warmth of a male voice. Mm-hmm. And that, and once they become aware of what you're looking for as a mixer and try to maintain what you're looking for, you end up with a better product in the mix at a later date. This is Uncle Roy. Um, I, you know, they should just send it without, they shouldn't do anything to it. You know, yeah, they should be on mic, close mic, especially if they're in a crappy environment. And just send it to us as is. Don't try to filter and don't try to EQ. Don't you know? That's we're experts at all of that. I'd rather get it with nothing. I. This is Chuck. I'd rather get it as flat as it could be. Yeah. In the in the response through their chain of recording, and then be able to play with it. And we'll be right back after this uh, message. Space. The final frontier of mankind. But what other creatures roam the galaxy? Captain, over here. This can't be. Look at the size of those carrots. Doctor, are these things edible? Captain, I have never seen a carrot three feet long. Not including the green tops. Do you know why we were sent here? I'm sorry, Doctor. I'd like to tell you, but it's up to Dr. Hop to explain it. Thank you, Miss Hoppet. You can call me Mary, Dr. Hopper. Stop, Captain. Look out. What the... Ah! This is the adventure of the starship Jackal. Our one-year mission to explore new garden patches on different worlds. To seek out larger and bigger carrots. To boldly go where no rabbit has gone before. Only at MisfitsAudio.com And back to our guests, Roy, Chuck, and Jim. Okay, uh, and I don't know if we, we may have spoken about this before. How do you create a sense of a place using just sound? That's easy. This is Jim. That's easy. Okay. You look up the right sound effect 
or you go and record the right sound effect so it um, sounds as close to uh, or actually is the place that you are. And um, that's the only way to do it, is to create it yourself. You might have to do several layers to, to make that happen. But if it's a city or a jungle or underwater or in space, it all has some kind of feel to it, and you have to create that. And you can embellish, this is Uncle Roy, you can embellish those things. Well, you said layer, that's that's true. Uh, but you can go outside, or I needed some footsteps running or something, so I ran around the house with my little Zoom recorder. Uh, <laughs> and I was supposed to be wearing a tutu, not that I was wearing the tutu, but the, char- <laughs> but the character was, so I took my nylon coat and I was kind of flapping it up and down. And you try to create what you know what you want them to see in in your theater of mind uh, you know yeah this so. is jim you have to you have to be able to envision it yourself in order to create that um, uh, i don't know if you agree or not but once you get the script and you look at the description okay this is new york city downtown i've never been there but i have an impression of it so i need to get as close to that impression or maybe take a field trip and uh, actually do it but, uh, yes, you have to be able to visualize everything. Uh, guys, this is John. Um, I had a question that kind of kind of, sort of related to this. Uh, with all the different types of, um, uh, I guess, challenges that, that you have when you do an audio drama, whether you need to have a certain type of ambient uh, sound or music or different people you work with, is there any particular amount of time that, um, that everybody like allocates to get a project done? Meaning, say you have a 60-minute... Uh, audio drama is there a certain amount of time that you say okay this should be done and mixed within two days three days four hours i mean is there any formula for that or is it just each is each case by case well this is jim and working for john i just do what he says okay it has to be up next monday oh okay i'll work on it as best as i can and sometimes um uh, it takes longer depends on the show itself and how uh not being my full-time job, I can only do it when I can. Sometimes I can do a Lone Ranger in a day, which I have done, or it could take me several weeks of, you know, a couple of minutes a day or an hour a day or something like that to get it together. But um, it, it so it varies. It, uh, it's not my full-time job, so I have to squeeze it in whenever I can. It depends. It's Uncle Roy. And it depends on when the elements come in, uh, when the actors deliver and the stuff gets approved by the uh, producer um, and uh, do you, where are you drawing any other elements from and whatever revisions there might be. This is Jim, that's absolutely right too. Rating for lines is uh, the, the toughest part of the whole deal because I may be anxious to get it together, but if somebody's not got their lines in, and that happened to me with a radio show I'm working on, right now, not for Captain John, but for Starship Excelsior, the actor is six weeks behind in his lines. Hire a new actor. Yeah, well, there, yeah it might be too weeks. late. There's it's that, probably but, too late, is that right? We finally got them in just a little while ago, so now I can start working on it. Well, actually, this is interesting. I, you guys, I'm sure, never went into this to be producers, but you guys are now producers. I mean, that must be, is that something you wanted to take on? Uh, how do you feel having to do that? Because you're creatives, but now you have to be producers, which uh, sometimes goes with the territory, but not probably what you wanted to do. Okay, guys, I am so sorry. We have totally run out of time for this segment. We will have to continue with Part B on our next broadcast. So this will be a two-parter. 
Don't miss out on the conclusion in this mixing series. Until next time, guys. Thank you. This is your announcer, Joe Stofko, for Voice Fiction. Thanks for listening. Until we meet again. The opinions expressed during roundtable discussions are that of individuals and do not necessarily reflect the position of Voice Fiction. This episode is copyright 2013, Voice Fiction Productions. For full disclaimer and privacy policy, visit voicefiction.com. Thank you.